everybody. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Show. Craig Schaub here with George Thomas, our friend from the Akron Beacon Journal. Covers sports and movies and entertainment there. George, how are you doing here on this Thursday evening? I'm breathing. Yeah. Well, that's the hell out of the alternative. Yeah. Busy week, you know. The yeah, Browns a little bit, right? Yeah, the Browns beat. And I'm technically I'm not a beat writer. I'm, I'm yeah. a videographer and I do sidebars. And it's like it's Odell Beckham Jr. Central even today. Well, yeah, today, especially with him signing with the Rams, or at least it looks like he's going to sign with the Rams. So, well, thankfully for you, though, you you get a little bit of reprieve from the uh, the day-to-day operations and get to watch some movies. And it's Oscar season, and I have to I have to admit I spoiled it for myself because I list I watched or I I shouldn't say I watched it I read your review and you can read all of George's review in the Akron Beacon Journal or BeaconJournal.com, and I. I wanted to read your Belfast review. So first thing in the morning, I clicked on it and hoped that it published because I wanted to see what you had to say. And I'm very excited, George, but it is kickoff. Sort of this is maybe the kickoff to Oscar season now with that first real Oscar darling that's being released. And that's Belfast, the new Kenneth Branagh movie. Tell everybody a little bit about Belfast. Uh, It's semi-autobiographical. I hate that word. I've always hated it. Semi-autobiographical. Yes. There we go. It's out now. Yes. Um, It's it's basically his life as a child. And you you know anything about Kenneth Branagh? I don't really know a whole lot. He's Irish, but his family fled to England when he was young, when he was a child. Um, And if I'm going by this movie the violent conflicts between Northern or pro- Protestants and Catholics mm. had a lot to do with that move. Right. But in essence, what we have here and mind you, I'm a sucker for coming of age movies. I really am. Yeah. I mean, the first truly great, and you might, you might roast me for this, <laughs> but the first truly great coming of age movie I, I saw was Saturday Night Fever. So, <laughs> well, we have talked about your love for John Travolta. So, so yeah, we, and we have talked about a later date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, tells the story of Buddy, who I assume is young Kenneth Branagh, and just life living in Belfast at this time, and what his family endures. Um, you know, his father doesn't work near his home he, he leaves for weeks at a time right um to to go work in england and mind you i love what what brad i did with names here his father is just pa his mother right. is just ma right and the kids have names uh granny is his grandmother is granny right. uh and grandfather is pop um his brother has a name that escapes me right now but you know his father works in England, comes back. Yeah, you never really get a feel for it every two weeks or so to be with his family. And he comes back, and each and every time there's some strife related to the violence with Protestants and Catholics. But his family is Protestant. Okay. Um, therefore, in Northern Ireland at the time, you had to pledge allegiance to the, the Protestant faction there. Um, he doesn't. His father is is a very moral, upstanding kind of guy. 
he wants nothing to do with this. Right. He's he's he reminds me a lot of honestly me. It's it's like <laughs> you do anything and everything you can to protect your family. They may frustrate the hell out of you, right. but you do anything to to protect your family. A buddy has this wonderful relationship with his father. He's a precocious, typical nine-year-old. You know, he gets into trouble. He's bullied. He bullies back, whatever. He's it, it's cute watching him trying to 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 romance a a girl in his math class. Um and it's he serves as our window into what's going on with A, his family, and B, around him. And, you know, with his father, his father sees what's going on. His father sees former friends coming around saying, you either have to pledge allegiance to us and and stick up for Protestants everywhere, which could include violence, right? or we're going to come back on your family. And... He sees opportunity in England, and he. The big debate is whether he moves his family there, despite all their connections in Northern Ireland. I mean, his wife, and I can't. Pro, I, I think it's Catriona Balfi, right. Outlander plays his wife. She doesn't want to go, obviously. Right. No kid wants to be uprooted from from the only home he, he's known. Right. But the reality is the danger is getting greater and greater. On a couple occasions, Buddy finds himself in the middle of it. And th- I can't say there's really a plot here other than those observations, but it's just one of those films that stick with you. Branagh shot it in black, black and white for the okay. most part. Looks gorgeous in black and white, um, and we're giving these little vignettes of of life in this family that are just heart rendering. It's it's like the 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 moments Buddy has with his parents are are extremely realistic, heart touching. Right. The ones with his grandparents are devastating. And Branagh suddenly he wrote the script deals with issues at the time without getting preachy. Right. And they're just giving an example of um, one, one moment. I don't think it's giving away too much where, where buddy's grandfather, uh, grandfather played by Kieran Hines um, basically gives his son and buddy permission to leave Ireland. And it's just one of those moments where he realizes his homeland isn't the place where his family should be. So, and we're giving, we're given a lot of those moments, a lot of them. So it's easy to see why this film was so popular with audiences on the festival circuit. I know it won the audience award at, at the Toronto International Film Festival and I'm pretty sure it won the audience award elsewhere too. Right. It's just a great, great coming of age story. And you know, politics aside, it's got a kick-ass Van Morrison soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, 
you know, Kenneth Branagh is such an intriguing director. I mean, he kind of burst onto the scene uh, with Henry V, and then he also had Hamlet in 1996, which seemed like it was about 12 hours long, but it was still was good. It was just a long movie, um, or it seemed like it was. But the, Oh, you know, it was long. Let me ask you a question about Hamlet, yeah. though. When you watched that, did you do it in one sitting? No, no. Yeah, I four had, hours and two minutes. I had to go. I had to look it up. I I had to watch that in one sitting in a theater. Okay. And they had to bring in lunch. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, but go ahead. Yeah, I was just you know, but then you you go from Hamlet, and then you know, okay, obviously he established himself um, like a lot of directors do, where you start with the you know indie drama, or you start with lesser budgeted films and then you work your way up uh we see that with you know a lot of people like alfonso caron when he did a you know harry potter movie so of course he was able to you know cash in after having success as sort of that lower level independent film director but Branagh, such an interesting you know eclectic taste i guess you could say in his direction and i i will say that uh i've kind of wondered the last few years, what he's been doing here. I mean, he had Artemis Fowl in 2020. Ew. He had Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. He had Cinderella in 2015. Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit in 14. And then, of course, Thor in 2011, which I think most people, if they recognize who he is, they probably would recognize him maybe from Thor, um, also being that character actor that you see pop up in a lot of films and everything, like Christopher Nolan movies, for instance. Um, but I kind of wondered like, man, you know, what's, what's Kenneth Branagh doing? I mean, this is a talented director. What is he, nothing against, you know, Cinderella or Jack Ryan shadow recruit, but Artemis Fowl was largely considered a failure. Uh, I did not like Thor at all. Um, but then I thought to myself, okay, well, here he has his passion project. As you stated, this is sort of his autobiographical film. And it made sense why he was making some of these cash grab films where he could make some box office and get some credibility even again. And then also be able to say, hey, I want to make a black and white film from the 1960s circa Ireland. And here you go. This is why he's made Artemis Fowl and Thor and Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. He had to do his, you know, obligatory give me the paycheck so I can go do my passion project a decade later. And here we have Belfast. Well, see, I th still think he should apologize for Artemis Fowl. That was just brutal. <laughs> they should have spelled Fowl uh, with an O O U instead of the uh, W. Uh, yeah, it was that a, was brutal. Foul. It was bad. Yeah. Um, see, when I saw his name on it, I knew that was a pure cash grab. I'm like, I yeah, need a yeah. paycheck. Okay. Well, it was funny, and it's funny too. Uh, obviously, you know, most people would know him, you know, from his directing or acting. But this is the first time he's, uh, you know, penned a screenplay since 2006. So, um, you know, overall, I mean, is Branagh going to be one of? I know you've you you gushed over it in your review. I know Karen Hines and uh, Judy Dench, you feel are are maybe going to be Oscar caliber supporting work. Uh, do you think Kenneth Branagh is going to find himself in multiple categories like? Uh, best director, best writer here? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Right now, this is my favorite for best film of the year. Right. Now, mind you, it's, you know, Oscar season. Yeah. All the stuff isn't going to be out until we'll be hearing about stuff until January 1st. Yeah. And that, this it, does seem like a shoe in, though. I mean, this seems yeah. like it's a shoe in for multiple Oscar nominations. Pick, pick a category, 
aside from maybe the technical categories, but pick a category. Odds are Belfast is going to find its way in there. And, and the kid who plays Buddy, don't mm-hmm. be surprised if he's nominated. He's, I was going to ask you about that. You know, these good. sometimes you know sometimes people get away with the coming of age stories when they you know they use teenagers or they use young adults. Here we have a child. Child acting, my wife will uh, will you know vilify me for it, but sometimes I get very critical of child acting because if you're going to make that movie, you've got to have that right child actor playing that part. Jude Hill, I mean, uh, you know, is he up to the task here? Because this is really his first film and really his first role. He's got some other things in in production or post production, but this is his you know his first real opportunity. I don't know what Branagh did to to connect with this this kid, yeah. but absolutely, he yeah. he he's Tatum O'Neill in per, Paper Moon. Good, okay, he, he really is. Yes, I just dated myself again, everybody. <laughs> but he's, he's probably going to pick some good. more recent uh, child actors. But yeah, Anna Paquin, how's that? And okay, yeah. So yeah. there we go. He he is that good. Okay, wow. I got to tell you, I'm, I was excited to see this anyway, but hearing you talk about it, reading your review from earlier, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that um, I think uh, maybe an opening weekend view would only drive me about 46 miles to uh, Crocker Park to go see this. But I think it's a, uh, a drive I'm, I'm willing to take for this film because I've had some pretty high expectations for it. And I'm very excited for it. And it's good to see some validation, not just from you, but other people, obviously. And of course, the people's choice at the film festival circuit. Um, you know, the black and white, was that, you know, was that a nice extra touch? Was it needed? I mean, sometimes black and white really pops. And then sometimes it's just kind of a gimmick. Number one, it pops. But number two, I would say it enhances the film and gives it that you are there. Right that you're there feeling that you might want from a film like this. Right. So I, some people are bothered by it. You're talking to someone who had a black and white TV in his room. (laughs) Until I was, until I was 13, that's how I watched television. Black and white doesn't bother me. And and cinematically speaking, depending on how you use it and you, and, and you know, you have to use it the right way. Right. It's it's absolutely gorgeous and it looks oh, yeah. like I mean, gorgeous. It when it when it's used in the 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 context or the way it needs to be used, black and white film is just spectacular to look at. Um so I'm very I mean I'm just I'm very excited. I was also going to mention too. Um I don't know how much you know about Jamie Dornan who's Paw. Um obviously most people might see him in these trailers and think, "Oh, it's Christian Grey from 50 Shades of Grey." Now those movies were absolute trash. How is he in this? I mean, this is his first chance to kind of show off the acting chops. How does how does he come to the, to the table here? Jamie Dornan can act. Okay, he, he really can. And, and and mind you, I'm not gonna hold uh, hold uh, the Fifty Shades movies against him because everybody's <laughs> got to take that first big break. Right. Oh, really. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> he gets a pass from that on me. I'm I enjoyed his performance because there's a sense of empathy empathy layered in there you know what i mean right right so i can't say a bad word about the performance yeah well i mean like i I read you the review earlier this morning uh when it posted what's your final grade for belfast i gave it an a minus 
All right. Well, I'm sure it'll be one of those movies that uh, when we do sort of a snapshot of the end of 2021, I'm sure that'll be a movie that we discuss uh, quite a bit, George. So um, next up, though, we have something I, I'm also kind of interested in, in The Harder They Fall. Now, this is a Netflix film. It did, did play a little bit in select theaters. Uh, but tell us a little bit about The Harder They Fall. It's a Western <laughs> with an all black cast. Yeah. Which is, and, and see, here, the, the, the thing is, you, you, depending on the situation, you pick up little nuggets of things <clears throat> along the way. Because, you know, the first thing you hear, all black cast, Western, nah, can't happen, right? Yeah. I, I went back, I did a little research in, in, in history books only to discover that um, the, the West was as diverse as Cleveland, Ohio. Right. I mean, it, there were plenty of black folks looking for their shot. And I'm going to cough here, so hold on. Looking for their their share of the, the American dream even right. back then. So this isn't a far far fetched premise. What's what's intriguing about this is that all of them are, are outlaws. <laughs> right. So you have two sets of outlaws in this film. One headed by Idris Elba, who I always love. Yep. And and um, the other by um, God. I hate when I forget the guy's name. Is it Jonathan Majors? Or yes, it, Jonathan Majors. See, this is what happens when you get old. <laughs> <laughs> the other half, the other side is is Jonathan Majors. Now, Jonathan Majors' character is looking for revenge, um, primarily because uh, Idris Elba's character killed his father and in the process well killed his parents in the process of killing his his parents carved up a, the sign of the cross a crucifix in his head so he's on a mission to uh avenge his parents death now we're given a bunch of colorful characters along along the way and you know what the fun part of of it was finding out that a lot of these characters, although the story is fictional, a lot of these characters existed in real life. Right. Zazie Beetz character, Mary Fields, existed. Bill Pickett is one of the best known cowboys in, in history. Um, Idris Elba's character existed. His, his name was Rufus. Regina King's character existed. So, and I went back and I did a little research on them simply because they were fun. But the, the heart of the story is these two, the spit, their bedfellows actually, right, coming back at one another. And that's it. It's it's simple. It gets more complicated towards the end. Sure. But for the most part, it's a simple setup and. It's a fun little ride with a couple moral questions. I didn't review it, but I certainly enjoyed watching it. Right. And this is one of those movies where it's like, I got nothing better to do. Yeah. I didn't get to this. So, hey, I'm going to kick back and, and, and see what 
what's what here. So, right. Well, I know we've we've kind of teased this movie uh, the last couple of weeks we've been on, so that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it. But you had brought up that your son had said it's sort of in that black exploitation vein. Is it is it in that vein, or is it just uh, sort of a by the books western? Uh, I think my son needs to see more black exploitation. <laughs> You know, there are hints of it there. There really are. I mean, I'll, I'll, it's got a Western-tinged hip-hop soundtrack. Okay. Well, and actually, the soundtrack is pretty good. I'm not a big, I'm not a big hip-hop guy, but I enjoyed a lot of a lot of songs in the soundtrack. Um, it's it's fairly straightforward Western mo- morality tale. Okay. Well, I know when you get into the uh, into the Western genre, obviously the, the the first two things that I think of are cinematography and, of course, the you know the shootouts and things like that. Um, I'm assuming that uh, you know since you enjoyed the film, that those two things kind of bring it pretty well to the table. Yeah, but even on my TV, you know, it, it's a it's a movie that should be enjoyed on a big screen if you can still right. well see it that way. Right. To get the scope of it. I've got a 75-inch TV, and I wish my set were, were bigger. Yeah. So, but yeah, you can tell it's there. And um, it's just, I'm always going to err on the side of having something bigger. Sure. Is uh, is this a Oscar contender in any way, or is it just sort of an enjoyable fall release that uh, probably better than it could have been or should have been? It's just an enjoyable release yeah. that's dumb. I, I don't even want to call it dumb fun, but it's it's a fun, just general release. Yeah. Okay. If you if you were giving a grade out for this one, uh, where would you kind of lie in your grade there with the the harder they fall? It would lie in that, that B minus B range. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I mean, I'm very intrigued by it. The great cast that you had mentioned throughout your, you know, your, your discussion there. I mean, I can't wait to, to see it just to see some of those uh, talented actors kind of chew the Westerns, you know, the Western scene. So, um, all right, George, anything else that's on your mind? I mean, you know, a movie pass might be coming back. Anything. What? Yeah. Wait. They've purchased the, the former, uh, the, the former CEO or whatever you want to call him of movie pass has bought it out of uh, its bankruptcy. And I saw that on variety and I thought, okay, well, you know, that might be something interesting. I mean, obviously we know you don't have to pay for films, but it might be something fun to have. And uh, you know, were, were you a big fan of movie pass? I mean, did you think it was a great idea? I mean, it seemed like a great idea. It just didn't seem like it could work with it when it was only $10 a month. My son thought it was a great idea. I, I Did he use it a lot? Yeah. He's one of the reasons they went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know what? This is, I'll, I'll tell you point blank, though. That, and given the state of film right now, economically, with yeah. the pandemic, this might be a shrewd move. Yeah. So... Well, they, you know, he did say in the story here in Variety that they, you know, they were going to sort of learn from the mistakes. Now, I didn't realize that when it first came out, they price pointed it between like fifteen and seventy-five dollars, which that's probably way too much if you're going up to seventy-five dollars. But I don't know. I mean, you know, do you think 
like a fifteen to twenty five dollar price range for unlimited movies, or I think you know uh, AMC and Regal and Cinemark have their own little brands of this. But I mean, do you think there's a price point that could work for a thing like Movie Pass, where you get either unlimited movies per week or un, you know three movies per week or whatever it may be? They'd have to be more pay. Get, the subscription would have to be way more than than fifteen dollars a week, even for this or a month, even for the studios now. Yeah. And I'll, I'm a member. My my wife and I are members of the Cinemark Movie Club. Okay. And that is ten dollars a month. Yeah. And it gets you. I want to say okay. one ticket a month. Yeah. Here's why I don't like. I'm not going to give away the store. Yeah. Here's why I don't like the Cinemark. Uh, giveaway thing. So in Sandusky, if I go to a movie, even an evening show is $8.50. Now, the, the one benefit, I guess, would be, you know, you get concession stand um, discounts and things like that. But the cost of the movie ticket does not match the cost that you would pay. Like, if I'm not a concession stands person, which I'm not usually, it doesn't make sense for me to do the Cinemark one because it's one ticket a month. And it usually, um, if I'm not mistaken, it used to preclude you from using like the, you know, the XD or whatever their IMAX version is and so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. Like one ticket a month. And it's usually more than I would pay for a ticket on a weekend if I'm going to see a movie, which is $8 and 50 cents or so at Cinemark and Sadusky. So Cinemark doesn't make sense to me as much as like AMC and Regal, which have, you know, like 15 to $20 or so a month where you get like three movies a week, which makes a lot more sense to me. If Cinemark bumped it up a little bit, like maybe two tickets a month or something, I would be more interested in that because I have a Cinemark five minutes from my house, you know? Um, we use it when my wife isn't allowed to accompany me at a streaming. Oh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like she has to catch up on the Eternals. I don't okay. know if that's happening this weekend or not. You know what? We are concession peoples. Okay. P peoples. Ha. Huh. People. Yeah. Um. So, in that regard, it's it's a steal because yeah. the, the discount is hefty. Okay. As far as the the actual tickets, you now nine times out of ten, we even keep the the membership in her name. Nine times out of ten, she's taking a friend to a movie they missed. Right. Just and I, I get what you're saying. I really do. Um, maybe when I'm retired and not reviewing anymore, <laughs> I have something or I have an an epiphany on this. But well, you know, you still you still should even if you retire, you should still keep your uh, you know film film credentials. That way, you can continue. Uh, Doing that, maybe uh, maybe a freelance situation or something. You could freelance your reviews or whatever it may be. Patreon, I don't know. We'll yeah, see. people should people should buy your your content. Your movie reviews are always thorough and thoughtful, and and well, they they read quick. They're not you know, but they're not thin in any way. You know, you you get into the meat and potatoes of it, but you also you know explain yourself a lot more as well. So yeah, I mean, you're a great read on the, the Beacon Journal, which. I'm thankful being in Sadusky, I can go on the website and read your reviews every week when they post and, you know, yeah. Or, you or you know, hey, people can come on to the Ohio and, and, and listen to you talk and gush about Belfast. How about that? Uh, I don't know if I do either. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, what's coming up next? I know next week is another big one, and that is King Richard is King Richard. So Will Smith may be positioning himself for an Oscar nomination, his first since 2006. Was that um Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah, that's what I thought. So he uh, went Ali in 01 and then Pursuit of Happiness in 06. So it's been a while. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. You know, the only thing that I care about with that movie is that Jason Reitman's directing, and not because he's the son of Ivan who did the initial Ghostbusters. It's just because I like Jason Reitman as a director. I mean, he can sometimes be hit and miss, but when he hits, like with Thank You for Smoking, for instance, like, I mean... He's quirky. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, I'm glad he's getting a cash grab here. This is, you know, so maybe he can go make another one of those indie darlings in a couple of years, but... uh that's probably the only thing that I really care about moving in with this uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Even though I'm a fan of the original films, I just, I don't know. I, I think this is like the ultimate cash grab that probably doesn't need to be addressed. But we'll see what happens. You know, better him than somebody else because he... he True. Everything I've read in advance is that during the making of the, the original film, he was on set. Yeah. And who who's going to protect his... Uh, his his father's legacy better than he will. True. So you know, and, and, and you know what he's always remind me of Wes Anderson light and, and quirkiness. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? a, um, a more a more mainstream palatable Wes Anderson. And see, I I loved Up in the Air with George Clooney. Oh, I loved Up in the Air too. Yes. I mean, imagine watching that freaking movie. When you're traveling a hundred nights a year to cover a professional basketball team, right? Oh, oh yeah. and and seeing that it came out during Christmas time that year, yeah. I was depressed after yeah. leaving that theater. Right. We, we saw it at the um, I saw it at the ArcLight in uh, Los Angeles. Okay. But it was a great, great movie. Yeah. Well, and he also had Juno as well, which I really love. Juno. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's made some really, I mean, he's, I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if you remember seeing it or did see it, but thank you for smoking. Yes, I saw it. Was, I love that movie. Yeah, I think it's yeah. underrated. It I, I really loved it. It's very much underrated. Aaron Eckhart was fantastic in that film. He yes, really he was. was, you there, know. There's an actor who needs to work more. I don't know what he's doing now. Maybe he got, got, got fed up. Yeah. I don't know, but the last thing I remember seeing him in was freaking a Batman movie. <laughs> you know, you're you're absolutely right. That is a guy. I mean, I know he's been in other things since then, but yeah, it's uh, it seems like it's been a while since he's had something really kind of meaty to actually, you know, be yeah, yeah. I mean, he was an I Frankenstein. Um, of course, everybody loved I Frankenstein, and although I will say, um, you know, he probably, I guess, the one thing I remembered him from was Olympus Has Fallen and London Has Fallen, the uh, Gerard Butler uh, protect the president at all. Oh, all I forgot those. Yeah, I mean, not that he had much to do in that film, but you know, he was in there. But yeah, I mean, it's. I the forgot about Midway, too, but Midway was easy to forget. <laughs> well, it looks like he does have quite a few things. Looks like some TV series uh, coming up here in the pipeline. But, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys that, 
after seeing Thank You for Smoking, I really thought he was going to just be in that little echelon. Not like a leading man kind of guy, but I just kind of thought, man, this is a guy that's going to get some, you know, juicy roles and he's going to maybe get an Oscar nomination at some point. It just never really happened. And I was hoping that Dark Knight would maybe, you know, respawn his career. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, he's a guy who deserves it. Yeah. And then Nolan killed him off and didn't want to bring him back. Maybe, maybe if he was in the Dark Knight Rises, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe if he was the main villain instead of Bane, maybe Eckhart's career would have uh, been even a little bit more different uh, than what it is now. Possibly, yeah. Well, George, uh, definitely appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll be uh, interested to see your takes next week. Um, are you streaming anything? Have you caught up on anything? What are you watching in between uh, Browns and Akron Zips coverage? Uh, you know, after you can beat me up for this later, <laughs> after I'm done talking to you, I'm going to watch Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You mentioned I'm that a last big week. dumb kid. Yeah. Has that been, uh, has that met expectations for you as a Star Trek fan? You know what? It's been better than I thought it would be Okay, because it's a cast full of kids. Right. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised. Okay. Well, mind you, I had to, I had to warm up to uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, the the second ever Star Trek animated series, right? Because there were just some things, um, that they used from this time that were pissed me off because they were stereotypical, right? to the main character in that one. And one of them was the woof, 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 woof from the Arsenio Hall show. And I'm like, this is fucking Star Trek. What the fuck? Excuse me. It's okay. (laughs) Why are you doing that in Star Trek? Yeah. So, you know. All right, George. Well, we'll see you next week with a couple of new reviews. Uh, hope everything goes well for you this week, and hopefully the Browns just have a normal week for a change, and maybe the Zips will have a normal week for a change. Nothing's ever normal in Berea. That's true. We'll see. All right, George. Well, we'll see you next week. Take care. All right, Craig.